Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode of our podcast. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to, from, coming to you from Brooklyn, along with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello. On the, on the side of the land that is all smoky and fiery right now. Man, yeah, it's like California's contagious because now Oregon and Washington have it. <laughs> I know. I know, and it's sort of like, ugh. It's climate change, guys, for reals. Um, in any case, I hope that there's some rain soon and that the wind continues to blow in a favorable direction. Um, but hang in there, guys, out there. It just, it's, I'm, I'm so sorry this, this is happening. I, Our, uh, thoughts and prayers. Appreciate it. <laughs> I don't. I mean, there's nothing much to say. There, there's all, that's um, all you can do at this point. It's I that oh, and radical um, you know, environmental policy changes. Yeah, somebody, I saw that there was like a, uh, a ridiculous meme going around, which you've probably seen, and it was just like, recently I've begun to think that hindsight is 2020 was actually a saying placed there by some ta- time traveler, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of hilarious. Oh, that is, I mean, the, the, just the 2020 shade memes have, have kind of been a, a silver lining for all this. Yeah, so... Um, but in any case, I mean, here in New York, COVID cases are still at a very low rate. Um, they are sending, they had delayed the start of public schools until September 21st. And apparently they're trying to do some outdoor schooling. Um, I know they're doing some of that in New Jersey, um, but it remains to be seen whether that will happen. I have heard of a few private schools that have already started, but then had to shut down because of positive COVID cases. So I, and those were indoor uh, situations, so I'm not sure that that bodes well for the public schools, but I think they're going to try it. Um, it's and then It's totally bananas. And then, yeah, and then on September 30th, restaurants in New York are supposed to open up um, with 25% capacity, but they also have to do all this stuff with air filtration and fresh air coming in. Um, and a lot of restaurants are basically anticipating that they're not going to do this because it's like just bringing in staff for a 25% full restaurant is probably not helpful. Um, lots of them have made up somewhat with outdoor dining, though it doesn't have quite the capacity that indoor dining does for them because um, some of them aren't able to do it just because of the way the, the space is around the restaurants and on the street. And you just can't, you know, fill a restaurant with 100 plus people in the outdoor sense. Um so a lot of people are anticipating that that is not going to necessarily save the restaurant industry, but you know we'll we'll see what happens. But I I personally am not going to be indoor dining because of you know I would have already felt this way, but there was a recent article where they were tracking a lot of people who had um, basically tested positive, and the majority had gone and been dining indoors. Um, at least two weeks prior to them testing positive, And they think that there's probably a link. Um, so I just think for me, better safe than sorry. And I also feel like, honestly, there's going to be some people that are going to go and do that indoor dining, but the majority of New Yorkers, at least all the people I know are not going to do that. We're more than happy to do takeout or dine on our rooftops, which is what we've been doing um, all along. And I just feel like the risk is a little too high to, even though as much as I miss the restaurant thing, which I love, um, I'm just not going to take that risk. Um, and you know, recently we've heard of friends and people that have, uh, tested positive and this thing's no joke. Um, and I don't know if you saw the most recent article just about the lawn haulers for COVID. Um, and they have a few ideas about why that works, but, um, 
But basically, these are people that didn't like may have had sort of a mild case, but haven't actually recovered at this point, and it's now months into it. Oh yeah, um, I've seen a few of those, like three months in, and still just struggling. Yeah. Yeah, and I have to say, like reading even one of those articles is like definitely do not want to get this. Um, so you know, I think. Just staying cautious, trying to be positive. Um, I definitely, I don't know if you saw all the news about the, unfortunately, the AstraZeneca, which was the Oxford vaccine. They paused it because uh, they needed to explore. Some people, I guess, had become ill during one of the trials. Well, inflammation of the spine. I think it was maybe even just one case, but this is why you do science, guys. Well, uh, you know. and this is what I've been saying all along, which is the only vaccine at this point that I am comfortable with the safety um, precautions that they are taking and the road that they're taking is the AstraZeneca vaccine. And it's exactly for this reason, because this is what you do during a trial. Um, this um, podcast does not pay, get paid by AstraZeneca to. No, we do not. No, no. But I do love the immunologist in charge. She's, she's a badass. Um, but anyway, like this is exactly why you have trials and why you have, um, so you have these safety precautions in place and basically this is standard operating procedure which is if you have unexplained things happening unexplained side effects illnesses whatever you have to track down and see whether it's somehow related to the vaccine and so in this case one person became ill but it was ill enough and and weird enough symptoms that they need to basically figure out whether it was related to the vaccine or not um and, you know, it could mean that this is totally off the rails, but then that's why there's probably, I mean, there's several vaccines in trial, the Moderna one, um, and all sorts of other things. So, um, but I would say we're probably not in going to be in a position to have anything ready until probably next spring. Is well, that's guess. what Fauci is saying, right? He's like, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a vaccine by the end of this year, uh, early next year, and then it's going to be late 2021 or, you know, mid 2021 before we are quote unquote, getting back to normal. But I think it's going to be a really slow climb back yeah. out of this. And so we well, need to look, just buckle up and, 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 you know, build up resilience into this kind of thing that we're doing now. And hopefully yeah. without fires or hopefully without fires or hurricanes, really hope- like the Gulf Coast is Gosh. getting slammed with uh, tropical I mean, depressions and there's more and more coming in and good Lord. Yeah, it's all it's all kind of crazy. Um, and I don't want to say anything more about this year because I don't want to jinx. Yeah, no, don't taunt or look directly um, in the eyes of 2020. Let's not, let's not look at, let's avoid making eye contact with 2020 at this point in time. Um, but you know, and the other thing about the vaccine that I think, um, lots of people, and this is the, the chance of it being, mm, they're hoping for more than 50%, uh, you know, like, like match for this, which is like, that's not the best, but you would need, you know, hopefully that a match at that level or above would be found so that that would help with herd immunity. So that's the other thing. Um, but anyway, hopefully we're moving towards something good at some point. Um, hopefully we're moving towards something good at some point. At some point. Most hey, optimism That's we can what muster. I got. That's what I got right now. Um, and then, <laughs> um, you know, as you know, I texted you the highlight from this story that we're about to talk about. We have a couple news items and then we're going to jump into our review recap of Lovecraft Country uh, episode four, A History of Violence. Um, But before we do that, there was a pretty big announcement from AMC this week 
Big um, time. That day. And yeah, honestly, absolutely. when I started d- digging into this, I realized that we had completely missed another big announcement about I Walking saw that. Dead. In, I uh, definitely missed that. Comic Con so, hey. in June. We're months behind on this. So maybe I actually kind of want to go chronologically, HA, and, and mention right, that first, sure. which was. Let's talk about that. Angela Kang made this announcement in Comic Con, and I'm sorry, reanimated fans, that we were. Well, I think we were Behind having some scheduling this. issues at that point yeah. or something. But uh, uh, there was an announcement that there will be, like, the finale, in air quotes, is not going to be the end of Season 10. And in fact, there will be six more episodes for Season 10 that are going to air in 2021. Uh, and these will kind of fill in gaps in s- storyline characters who haven't been on screen, a.k.a. Maggie, perhaps, or uh, time jumps. Um, so they're going to be, they're calling them in between. Tweenquils, which I love. <laughs> mm. One of the writers uh, said that on Twitter, but of course Scott Gimple is being very mums the word as is his want. But so six additional episodes bringing the total of this season to something like 20 or, or maybe 22. Um, which is crazy and, and uh, like a massive revelation for me. Uh, then you have The World Beyond and Fear of the Walking Dead season 4. Five, six, whichever the new Fear of the Walking Dead season is going to yeah. be. And then the big announcement uh, of this week was that they're they're going to have a season 11, but then that's going to be the final season of The Walking Dead. And it's going to be a, a gargantuan season. And I think this is good news for the oh, franchise. I think it's good news. I mean, I think that I was... I mean, look, I don't know. There was a... Um... There was a um, like an interview or whatever with Denai Guerrero. There was there was like talk about her um, coming back and all this other stuff. And she, you know, she basically was just like she's open to returning and all this other stuff. But she also made a couple of of uh, like this was like back in March, I think. And she made a couple of you know, this is when she like had exited the show and she said, look, I'm open to doing certain things, but I don't know that I would come back full time. And then it, so if you look at sort of the winnowing down of the cast and the storyline and all that other stuff, and there's lots of other stuff that they want to do going forward. And maybe it makes sense to have like it looks like they're going to have uh, Carol and Daryl characters be a spinoff um at some point in the future there's going to be yeah that's planned for 2023 yeah so i mean look i think that this makes sense and and look the i mean this is the thing is that the the cast of this show is so popular and they're doing all this other stuff that i think that this makes sense and it's nice that they still want to do some things but maybe they can't dedicate it uh dedicate themselves to it full-time which is definitely the same i mean denai guerrera like the the um, Black Panther and who knows what's going to happen. Honestly, who knows what's going to happen with that now um, mm. because of Chadwick Boseman's death. But there has been some talk that some of the female characters might take more of a lead and that there's going to be something to do with that. Who Is knows? Is there any but- canon for a, f- a female Black Panther? Um, I, I will admit to you, I did not follow those, that particular, those books as much as like I knew of him and I, and I definitely read a few of the books, but I wasn't like, I admit that I get somewhat exhausted, um, by all the different comic book storylines. So there very well might be, but I am not aware of it just 
off off the cuff. <laughs> so because I mean, um, if it's but, if it has to be bloodline, is, he has a little sister who is already well, a and character. that could be and that could totally be a way to go. And I think that would be a pretty cool way to go. And yeah. plus, that actor is amazing; yeah, she's, she's incredible. Um, but there is definitely, I mean, the whole thing is that it's passed down. So I think there's easily a way you could do that, and so that would be kind of a cool twist on it. So I hope they do it. Yeah. Um, as long as the actor wants to do it, I don't want to put any burden on that that on her because who knows what she's got going on because she's amazing so she's probably had all these things happening um but in the case of the walking dead i mean look this is a way for the the some of the characters continue and the storyline to continue but not necessarily wedding them to the the sort of grind of a series so that's kind of a cool idea um and then you know i think that there's they can be creative and do different things and definitely now I'm much more interested to see the finale of this, <laughs> which is going to be interesting. Um, well, so in we'll a way, like the announcement that they're having six more episodes undermines, a big deal. Yeah. undermines that finale. Like how final yeah. can it be? But if then they say that they're in betweeners or in betweenquels, that does help with that. Cause you could still have a total, you know, co- solid conclusion to the whisper war right. and then go back and investigate. Like I said, with Maggie, or I don't know some some more stories from the time maybe jump. Maybe with Michonne, and maybe with Michonne. Yeah, maybe maybe with Michonne. And there's also uh, in in this like dump of information they talked about a Universal Skybound collaborative um, project, which is the Rick Grimes movie that's in production. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they didn't say in production, but I'm hoping that they are making some progress because nobody's getting any younger. And true. Uh, also, Tales of the Walking Dead, an episodic anthology that Scott Gimple is working on, which I love this kind of project. When they did this after um, after The Matrix, there was the, uh, oh, I forget what it was even called anymore, but there was like a really cool animated anthology film uh, or so, co- collection of short films uh, for The Matrix that, that really blew my mind and... Um, I, I just like this. I, I like this idea a lot. Telling a lot of little stories, kind of like how they did with all of those little webisodes that they were making for a while. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we, we, I mean, those were really short. Those were like 12 second episodes or something like that. But if they can make some, you know, really tight little, little stories, I think that could be super cool. And, and if, I don't mind if they go animated with it too. Like they, if that's something that they want to investigate. Obviously, that would that would work well with the original medium of The Walking yep. Dead. No, so I'm psyched about that. Those are yeah. So between Daryl and Carol, the uh, the show, Tales of the Walking Dead, Rick Grimes movie, and they kept talking in the press release about how this is just the beginning of like building this franchise. So I don't think we're saying goodbye to Robert Kirkman's world anytime soon. And nope. uh, we might just be saying goodbye to some of these cast members and some of these particular stories, but there's a lot of other stories to tell. Um, so I think this is good news because they do need to put the premiere, the, the prime show to bed. It is long in the tooth. And I just wish we could go back and erase like one of the saviors seasons, uh, but we'll get there. Yeah. And you saw another trailer for a Taiwanese zombie movie called Get the Hell Out. Um, yeah, this so. is so. This is a messy looking uh, picture. It's kind of it's very political. It looks at uh, Taiwanese democracy and uh, with a very um, well from the trailer with a critical eye. And so we will. Uh, it's going to be at the Toronto Film Festival this fall, uh, International Film Festival, and we can 
get some feedback on how it was received from that. Actually, I think that might have already even happened or it's happening as we speak. Uh, but could some could be something that we take another look at down the road. Yeah. So um, so we'll, we'll circle back to that. I will also say I've been getting a ton of ads for hashtag alive. Oh, me too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so I think at some point we'll have to definitely look at that. And it's getting pretty good reviews, at least from what I've been seeing. Yep. So, and it's in the Netflix um, top 10 for the U.S. right now. Yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll get around to that eventually. Uh, also... But in the me- Raised, uh, raised by Wolves, which I brought up last week. Oh, I've been yeah, yeah. Watching, That's been I've watched getting... like five episodes of it now. And it is so Ridley Scott and it is so good. And it <laughs> Okay, stars... I got to get to it. I can't, oh, dude, I can't watch the... it. I can't watch it with Bill. He's, he's just. Oh, no, hard. it's terrifying. Um, what is the name of the guy who played Ragnar Lothbrok on um, oh, Vikings? On, game, on Vikings. His oh, gosh. name is. Well, he's, he's uh, Travis Fimmel. He is in this um, show. He's one of the protagonist ish i mean really the protagonist is the main android mother mm-hmm. um but travis fimmel is in this and it's either that he doesn't have a lot of range or he everything he does feels like ragnar lothbrook to me so uh but he, it's it's such a good show and it's make it's got a lot of it's got a really well-developed world um it's got a, it's got extremely challenging stakes uh like the future of humankind are, is on the line and so that that kind of has you the whole way and so i'm loving this i'm loving this show uh, and it's you know it's a little dark but that's that's kind of reflecting where we are right now too yeah definitely so i will have to check that out without bill um because i just don't think he can handle it um he just doesn't want to watch he's been really excited about cobra kai um, which we binge watched, um, and I will admit it has—it's better than it has any right to be. But um, <laughs> very ton, it's very tongue-in-cheek and ridiculous. But it was definitely a nice distraction. So that's more up his alley versus something like this, this kind of thing. But I'm excited to watch it. So I saw a couple of the trailers. So, and your uh, endorsement means a lot. So, um, so I will have to check that out, and, and maybe we circle back and give that a review later. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to chat about the next episode of Lovecraft Country, the most recent one, um, episode four, which is A History of Violence. And um, this, you know, it's interesting in that. Um, so uh, having read the book, I was wondering what they were going to do with some storylines. And they really did some very some things and that I'm like, OK, I get that. And others that I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about that. And what they ended up doing, at least with this episode, is trying to combine some of the stories, um, and which I do understand because you know there was one whole story just about doing the whole museum. Yeah, this feels heist. it feels packed. This episode it was very packed. Um, so they and then there's like a Ruby storyline, but that's a whole separate story in the book and all that stuff. Do you so feel I like think... they're uh, robbing Ruby to pay Letty? And, yeah, and I do. Yeah. I do, and I also, I mean, look, the, the you know, before jumping into this episode, the whole storyline with Ruby was supposed to be with the, the what is now the Christina Braithwaite character, and, like, I was curious about how they were going to do that, and I honestly was kind of hoping it would be Christina seducing Ruby um, versus her aide, um, and so I was a little annoyed at their lack of imagination on that point. Um, but you know, and then the other stuff, there's some really good parts of this, but I do feel like they kind of tried to pack it too much, but I think part of it is that they're trying to, to weave together these storylines in a slightly less disjointed way than it may have felt at the beginning. It feels disjointed. 
<laughs> it does. Say. It does. But I think they were trying to, you know, p- kind of leave some breadcrumbs uh. for the, um, you know, uh, for D and um, Hippolyta and trying to like sort of weave this together a little bit more. But the main part of this whole story um, has to do with Tick, Montrose and Letty. And um, they are basically, you know, this is on the trail of the whole papers from the um, the book of names that had been stolen that Christina alluded to at the end of the last episode. Um, the whole, the interesting thing is that like, you know, there was, at least in the books, this whole museum thing is in Chicago. They don't travel. They don't do a road trip. It's all. So it was kind of interesting that this is what they chose to do, yeah. um, to go all the way to Boston. Um, and, you know, so I, I was like, oh, these are some interesting choices. And I'm getting that they're trying to lead things back that's, to Artem. That's a back serious drive. That's like 18 hours or right, more. Right. But they almost they almost act as if it's like Here we go. a We're really just driving short from Chicago drive, to right? Boston. No big deal. So that's kind of weird. But um, in any case, this is the whole, this is the lead in is that they are supposed to find the secret vault that, um, that has the pages of this book hidden in it. And um, the other part of this, the other sort of weird disjointed part of this is the storyline um, with Hippolyta and Dee. And Christina has come uh, to talk to Letty opens up the door to let her know that she's the one who bought the house. Um, And so there's a lot. I mean, to me, one of the things that really stood out to me as a bad thing in this episode is that it feels like there's a lot of anger and a lot of like sort of um, a lot of just things that happen that are not explained that maybe there this was like due to editing. I'm not sure, but some of it just seems like everybody's just mad at each other all the time and there's no resolution to that. And it doesn't, but some of the, and it's not, look, it's not that the anger isn't warranted, but it just feels like you can't kind of continue that level of anger without burning out at some point. And it just feels like they're kind of using that as a, as a tool in a way that I, I think is overused at least. Personally. It's overused um, in a lot of things, right? And and it definitely comes into play with the Montrose Tick relationship, but yeah. also now with Letty and Tick. Yeah. And, and it's Ruby just sort and of Letty like, and yada yada. Everybody seems to be at each other's throats, which is it's right. tiresome. It is. And it's, you know, these are characters that have been through a lot and that's true, but they also, it also feels like, Okay, if they're if they're sort of on edge, and it, look, they have every right to be on edge. They've been all through a lot and a lot of weird stuff, um, but it also feels like they could somehow explain it. Like, is it is it Christina Braithwaite stirring the pot amongst them? Is that what's happening? But that the, they don't do anything like that to explain it. I think it's a just, lot of it is pretty explainable in history. Like Letty and Tick just had that um, that yeah. passionate night that didn't really go the way I think either of them wanted it to. And now they have like a lot of feelings. He's still trying to cut out of town. And so she's mad at him for that. Him and his dad have a really long history of mm-hmm. like abuse and his dad being a weird, emotionally locked in guy. Letty and Ruby have all this history that's already been established uh, with her being like the prodigal daughter or whatever, especially with the the mama's um, inheritance thing that came up and that only under, undermined like more of the differences between them. So I do think that there are reasons for their anger. Uh, what, I, reasons, what I think is missing, just... though, and but is hinted at but not explored enough is like that some of them are actually pretty good collaborators like Letty and Montrose. 
they're working together when Tick catches up to them later in the episode. It's like they're at the back of the bar right. coming up with a plan, but they don't build up enough of that that good stuff to make you get feel like there's a payoff. Well, right. And that's, you know, and I think when every scene is with people just kind of spouting off at each other with no resolution, I just feel like that is just boring. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, but look, like, look, I will say there, there definitely there is deserving. There should be a lot of anger. Um, and there's a lot of things that are unsaid amongst these characters. Um and lots of secrets that are being kept from different things, like oh, Montrose somehow... is really the the worst. Oh perpetrator God, he's here. terrible! And also, Hippolyta just randomly took that orrery, the orrery at the house. That? Who does that? She just and... stole it from someone else's house. That's crazy. Right. And she's just like looking at it without any. It's just all kind of weird. And to, um... to do a, a fact check here, H.A. I believe Christina, when she comes to Letty's front door and bounces off the force field, which is which is awesome. She's yes. like, oh, Titus, not Titus, uh, Hiram hid some of the pages and the key is the orrery, right? Yeah. And so Hippolyta has the orrery. Nobody else knows that. And so, but those aren't the pages that they're going after in this episode. The pages for this episode that they're going after are Titus's lost pages. Correct. Which Correct. are in this vault in Boston eventually. Right. Okay. So there's many pages. There are at least two pages <laughs> out there. And uh, and look, I mean, this hits upon like everything related to... Um, Everything related to this, like, adventure, we get a lot more information about why these, where these pages are. Um, it Like, the, the Book of Life pages are at a museum in Boston. There's a whole, like, wing of this museum. They talk a lot about how um, this particular wing was built and basically built because you know um not it was it was Titus that was basically a um um you know they they call it an explorer but really what they mean is like colonization and slave trade and all that kind of stuff and that becomes evident as you see like the different things that are shown in, in the museum and so there's definitely a history there um and then you've got also conversations about like look this is the theme of this particular show but like you have the whole thing uh with Hippolyta and D and how they're in the um the planetarium and and basically oh yeah um, that was a sweet moment yeah it's a sweet moment hippolyta basically said oh i had named that comet and they wouldn't let me because they didn't want a black little girl to, to name it and then her daughter announces to everybody that her mother named it which was actually really cute um but then but then there's also the whole storyline with ruby where she goes and her whole dream is to work at this department store and she sees that there's one other black woman working there and she's very upset because she hadn't applied and knows that they can really only hire one person or thinks that and um, just is like crushed. And so there's all this these themes that run through this episode as well. Um, the things that I really liked about this episode is that, you know, I'm a huge Indiana Jones Goonies fan. Oh, yeah. And this definitely was pushing those buttons. Big for me. vibes. Big there's vibes. a journey there's a journey to the center of the earth stuff and they even have i mean they have a kid reading that in the library actually one of my favorite scenes uh -huh. is with the kid in the library who's so angry at um tick and 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 letty for for talking loudly he gets really he's giving them the stink eye which is awesome and he like gets up with a huge exasperated sigh also at one point yeah. oh yeah he's that kid steals the scene um, but my big thing, you know, look, I think I, I always love it when you're actually like looking for clues and looking for treasure and looking for, for things to like put a, a, like a puzzle together. And so this had all of that. Um, and then they have 
Montrose as sort of the reluctant. Um, I don't want to say like he's the key master, but he kind of is because he's got all this information that they don't know about. He had the whole uh, book of rules from the the sons of Adam, you know. So, but I still feel like even with that, that doesn't completely explain his apparent knowledge of all of this stuff. Um, only I guess that. He has been researching this a lot longer than any of them could have guessed. And Tick finds that out by seeing that his father has basically checked out every single book he's looking through. Um, yeah, honestly, and- this, this, that subplot is only underscored in a very frustrating way at the end of this episode when he does what he does to the, um, right. the two-spirit woman. Yeah, and... So in any case, um, they but so I do like the adventure that that Tick, Letty, and Montrose go on through the the under the nether regions of this museum. It's very cool. There's all sorts of like tunnels and and mysteries and cool things that they have to get through and challenges. And so all of that, I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. Um, you do have three characters that have some trust issues. Definitely, Tick has trust issues with Montrose. Montrose just doesn't think anybody else can do anything right. Um, so you have that stuff going on. But I really liked the tone of this in terms of them ha- being on an adventure together. And despite the horrific chamber that they ultimately end up in, there's very much like a Goonies or like um, like somehow like an archaeological like feeling because they end up in this crazy chamber full of like um, bodies and but also full of artifacts and things like that which is like it's definitely a much creepier Goonies honestly but it is that sort of exciting thing where nobody has been in this vault for like ye- like hundreds of years and um, they have figured out a way into it so there's that mystery and then they come across this very strange character and and I agree with you I just was not cool about how they handled this and, um, and I don't know I mean this storyline this is another example of people that were subjugated and treated poorly this particular um character is a um a native of one of the islands that apparently titus had explored um in the caribbean and is a hermaphrodite i think um that's sort of what was Uh, she's got both all the tackle and uh yeah she's that's why she's referred to as two-spirited mm-hmm and um, and they have this whole weird thing that happens um, where even though that they're in the museum in Boston, they, we now find out that the elevator in Letty's house actually goes down to this. So it trans, I guess, transports people across time and distance, maybe? And Hard well, to Hiram, tell. there's a reference to Hiram's time machine mm-hmm. in this episode. Because there's also a very interesting scene between Christina and Captain Lancaster from the uh, Chicago mm-hmm. Police Department. Yep. who it turns out is also in an order, but a different mm-hmm. one. Yeah, or a different branch of it, maybe? Well, I, I mean, don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't really know, but all, what is getting established is that he is way more involved than we thought last yep. episode when we were just like, oh, he's supplying you know, people who will not be missed to Dr. Hiram Epstein. No, he is... He's, Definitely he's, involved on a higher he level. He is on yep. a lo- another level, yeah. Yep, and, you know, we see a little bit more of Christina here, like... There's like a weird scene with her and kids and she basically has said, oh, I've never played tag before. Um, yeah. And that was a funny little scene. Um, and then, you know, of course she comes, she butts heads with this guy um, because he's like, oh, women don't, he doesn't say it that way. But he doesn't say that women, word. <laughs> he does not, but I'm not going to say that word. But anyway, he says women aren't allowed in the order because she, she basically questions his authority because she's like, I don't think you're actually an official member. 
Um, and then we also, um, while she's doing all of this, her assistant um, is basically out seducing Ruby. There's a pretty gnarly uh, love scene with the two of them. And, you know, Ruby talks a lot about how she didn't, you know, isn't going to be able to get the job at um, Marshall Fields. And she's very mm -hmm. upset about it and just upset at, at how hard it is um, to be a black person, but specifically a black woman. Um, and it's, she says it very eloquently. I thought the writing here was great, which is basically, and she basically says to um, this guy, like, hey, you know, like, we always have to run a race and you don't have to and all that stuff. And it's, yep. it's done. It's said better than that, but I thought the writing was pretty good there. What seems to seal um, the deal for him is he tells her, or she says to him, like, um, you aren't the first white man to offer me the world on a plate in order to, to lay with me. Yep. And I think he said something like, yeah, but I could actually do it or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and well, also it's that and a whole bottle of whiskey. I'm pretty sure. Oh is, yeah. Is what helps. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, he's got, he's making his, uh, pretty Aryan eyes at her and they end up having a, having a, having a night. Yep. Are they back um, at Letty's house? See, I don't know. I can't tell because one would imagine that he wouldn't be able to get in there. Oh, true. Um, so I don't know if it's her house or somewhere else. It could well, be. She'd moved out, I think, of Lady's house. She had moved out. So um, my guess is, is that it's at his house, maybe. I don't know. But um, we'll find out case, next time. I'm sure there'll be some. We'll aftermath. find out. And as I said, I feel like they shortchanged the character of Ruby a little bit because you know this is sort of a very compressed uh, mm. version of what happens to her. But I'm guessing they're going to get more into it in the next episode or two. And then Hippolyta um, and D are also set off. Like next episode, we'll find out. They pull over at one point, and she's like, let me see that atlas. And she's like, oh, there's Artem, or there's Devon County. She seems to, like, start to be, she's putting things together. And it looks like she might be heading to Devon County. Yeah, the which, impression I got. and I mean, I will admit to you, like, when they start, and they're already in the dark, and, of course, we remember what happened oh, on, yeah. on the journey. Uh, with, well, all those guys are dead, so. Well, they are, but Not it's still. Not all the racist feel, white feel, cops, no. Right, and you feel terrified for them, or at least I did, and I'm like, I really don't want to see anything happen to these two characters. Um, but anyway, uh, they they so they go off on their journey, but then you've got you know Letty and Tick and Montrose. Basically, they do work together ultimately, and they do overcome a lot of odds. There's like a lot of cool scenes. Like I feel like the water aspect of their whole treasure hunt thing that was plank cool. thing was a super cool scene. Yeah. I love that. Um, and he's, and that this is the thing and it makes Montrose an interesting character. If you could get rid of some of the crazy, um, yelling antics that they have thrown in with all these characters, Montrose does like really subversive and annoying and horrible things, but he's effective. So in this case, he like lies to Letty about some secret knot, which is totally BS. <laughs> and like he just gets her out on the plank, which is like, oh goodness, you know, like yeah, he's you full have of no. It. He is full of it, and so he, it makes him a very it, like he's such a complex character because, you know, when we first met him, he just seemed like this drunk. Um, he also didn't seem extraordinarily. Um, I don't want to say he's he was ignorant, but he felt kind of ignorant compared to his brother George, who was like very learned and into sci-fi and whatever. And it turns out that Montrose actually has those layers too. He just doesn't maybe show it. And so his knowledge of all of this, and especially how he gets them through the different um, circles of hell in this museum underground lair, whatever you want to call it, 
Um, I kind of liked them showing these aspects to him. Um, and so that was kind of cool. And it was also interesting for Tick and Letty to figure this out, that he had all of this base knowledge that he had not let on about before. Yeah. Um, and some of this was got like some of this George gave him the whole like the rules of the, the you know, Brothers of Adam and all that stuff. Um, but, but Tick he also, also has... kept bringing up like, well, if this was a an adventure novel, this is what was going to happen next. And it right, was right. Kind of funny it's like, that well... they would be using those sorts of uh, prompts. Yeah, um, and but by I... the end of these this sequence, this adventure sequence, they are all like so resolved. I mean, well, obviously Tick just starts making out with Letty in the elevator, <laughs> which I guess yeah. means that they're cool again. And then Montrose has this amazingly open and emotionally accessible sort of moment with Tick. Where he's like, oh, your mom would have been so proud of you. You're amazing. Yep. And they were like, whoa, this guy, that's not at all how he's been um, talking to Atticus. But then what undermines that is that in the very next moment, he goes and slits the throat of the, uh, they're like this two-spirit woman who they have rescued. Who, and I, I'm sorry. She, her whole backstory is that she was horribly betrayed, right? Yeah. She's going to let yep. somebody stand behind her and not yeah, be on I think guard. Not. Like, and yeah. also she's like, we watched her. I mean, I will say one of the cooler moments, because you see basically all these um, like mummified bodies throughout the chamber that Titus had put together. She is the body that is over the um, the scroll or whatever this is that they're trying to get. And her reanimation sequence, I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and it's terrifying, and it's meant to be terrifying. And um, it, the basically the gist of her story is that Titus brought her there. Um, she trusted him, and then he because she could read the language her, of Adam was her. Yeah, and her and brought her family there, but killed them all. Like so, uh, she, they, whatever you want to call them. Um, was totally betrayed. And I agree with you. I was like, there's no way she would let him stand behind her. No way. Absolutely not. And um, she, but basically she gets murdered horribly by by Montrose. And I'm like, how are you going to explain that, Montrose? Well, we think. <laughs> I mean, this is also an extremely magical being. Who right. knows what, I mean, Titus has also transformed them into a siren, which is, is something that Ty right. uh, Atticus and, and um, Montrose come to this conclusion because you can't speak without uh, making this crazy noise that makes them all lose their minds. So yep. th there's this is what I mean. Like this, uh, like when you're watching the when you're trying to explain what's happened in this episode, it's bananas. There's way yeah. too much packed in here, and they could there's have a lot packed in. It, and and look, he it looks like he killed her, but I agree with you. Maybe he knows something we don't, maybe. and chances are Montrose probably does. Yeah. Um. But the other part, of, the other thing that occurred to me while watching him do that is that he doesn't really want her to translate anything. Um, he doesn't want Tick to go down this path. He already burned the the book from the the Sons of Adam, yeah. like to to not have that knowledge out there. So I could see him thinking that this might work, but I also agree with you that there's a very good chance that I mean this thing reanimated after hundreds of years. You think that's gonna like take care? Of, I I don't know. So you could be right, and let's see what happens on this. But agree that this was like a lot of stuff to pack into one episode. Absolutely. I mean, look, there's things I really liked about it. I still like all these actors and characters. I think I just wanted a little bit more dedicated time with the story with Tick and Letty 
and um, Montrose. And I think that would have been enough without getting into all the other stuff. But I feel like they thought they had to lay these hooks in and lay this groundwork in, which I understand too, but it just felt like a little too much, right? Totally. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was busy. Um, and what's interesting about the show is it keeps you, keeps you guessing, keeps you on your toes. You've got these couple of central themes, lots of central themes, honestly. Um, you know, uh, America in the fifties, racism, a magical family of weird Aryans. Uh, and then you've got like every episode has a completely different feel to it while it's all kind of lovecraftian so it's it's cool it keeps you on your toes i'm I'm interested to keep watching it but uh it, it does also feel like there's a lot yeah um but again i mean knowing knowing all the the, the depth of that these stories go into in the book and then each story's its own thing i'm not shocked that they're trying to sort of somehow connect them um it, but it also every single story is so jam-packed with detail too so it's it's kind of hard to to combine them all at once. So I get that that there's some difficulty there, but we'll see. I'm, I'm still liking it, and I, I still will. Um, I'm curious to see what happens next. So I'm gonna keep watching, obviously. Um, but you know, I think that's all I have to to say about this one in particular. Do you have anything else to add? No, that's yeah, that's about it. We've still got a few more episodes for this season. There's gonna be mm-hmm. ten total, so we've yep. got a ways to go. Um, I think we might have to take a break halfway through the season or I don't know at any time in order to because it's going to it's going to infringe on our Walking Dead season. So we might have to I, I'd like to see how you feel about that. Well, we can do that. We can combine a few episodes, too, if we need to, because I also feel like sometimes I mean, like we probably could have combined this with the next one. We just have been watching it as they've been coming out. So we haven't done that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm totally fine with doing so that. In fact, and I... Maybe next time we want to do a live and then in two weeks we could yeah, do a couple fine. episodes together. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, um let, yo, let, let us know what you're thinking of Lovecraft Country, as well as all this other crazy news about um, The Walking Dead. You can reach us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at reanimatedpcast. Our email is uh, reanimatedpodcast at gmail. Did I already say that one? And then our website is reanimatedpodcast.com. So holler at us, drop us a line, leave us a review, tell us we're crazy, all of the above. <laughs> Uh, And thanks for listening. Until next time. Ciao. All right. Thank you. Bye.